Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast. Your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, welcome in to another Auburn Live show, man. So glad everybody could join us. Um, busy, busy, busy times on the Plains as fall camp rolls on and Auburn inches closer to their season over against Akron. Um, hey, before we get going real quick, a couple of shout outs to, uh, shout outs to some partners of the show. Um, one being Southeastern, uh, fantastic bar, downtown Auburn, two-story building, beautiful building. Um, awesome game day, uh, experience, um, great weekend experience. So go check out uh, southeastern um, inside outside bar they have, they have patio seating outside too um, so awesome place to, to go tons of tvs so cool 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 bar uh, for game days or the weekend southeastern and then our other sponsors um, and partners uh, a restaurant in downtown auburn the irritable bow um, rob have you been to the irritable bow have you been there i have not but i know whitley and yes. uh uh, I know know him to be a great man, and yeah. um, I know that they do a fantastic job. I just man, it's hard for me to get downtown for for to to, to get in there. But uh, he must you see people wrapped around the parking yeah. I mean, around the building, so they it must be fantastic. It's so good, man. Uh, Chinese bow for people that don't don't uh, have never had it. It's really good stuff, man. But he's got like other he's got like chicken skewers, and he's got like um, you know these bang bang shrimp rolls that are really good, and some different stuff, and um, you know, he's got, you know, rice bowl. I mean, he's got different stuff than just the bow, but then the bowels are really, really good too. So, but yeah, and Whitley's, Whitley's the man. I know he, I know that you know him well, but, uh, he's awesome. Great partner of the show. And so go check them out on Magnolia, downtown Auburn, um, irritable bow gets you in and out, um, really quickly and, and just, man, good, good, good food. All right, let's jump into this thing, man. Um, let's see Auburn's one scrimmage down in the fall. Um, they've got another one upcoming. Um, the first one was inside Jordan Hare Stadium under the lights. Um, a lot of former players had a, were invited to to go check out the team, to go check out the program. You were one of them. Um, we heard, man, a lot of different things from from the scrimmage. I guess let's start here um, because I think that you know as soon as you start hearing feedback on what happened during the scrimmage, a lot of people put a lot of weight, right? Like they put a lot of weight into it. Let's start with kind of set people up on first scrimmage of the fall. I mean, how important is it? How much weight do you put in if you hear about a a player performing well or not well? I mean, what, how did you evaluate like the first scrimmage that you were in? I mean, was it just like a, Hey, let's just throw it out there, see what happens. Or because we're in the fall is every scrimmage, should it be weighted pretty importantly? I mean, tell people kind of, how they should look at when they hear something, what that first scrimmage means. Well, first of all, you talked about having a lot of former players there. Um, they did. They, they had a great response. There were a ton of guys there. Saw a lot of my teammates, guys from every era, 
um, a lot of interest, a lot of guys that are just excited about uh, the direction. And, you know, that was good to see. Um, I, you know, when I approached the scrimmage, especially the first ones, I, I was really just wanting to know how did I compare to the guys around me, my peers? I mean, did the guys play my position. I mean, how, how many plays could I be a part of? I mean, could I, could I hold my own? I mean, did I understand where I fit within the defense? Um, what was the, were the coaches having to correct me um, because of my alignment or, you know, so much of what I did revolved around alignment, getting guys lined up, um, making sure we were in the correct defense, making sure the checks were where they needed to be. So, you know, that all happened before the play ever began. So there was a mental component and then the physical component and just seeing if you could if you could keep up, you know, in both realms. And, and that was tough. I mean, it was made easier because we didn't start school um, back then until, uh, you know, the end of September. So it was all football. I and mean, I played four or five games at Auburn before I ever went to school, wow. before I ever had a class, you know, the way that the uh, schedule was set up then. So just just those sorts of things. Um I, I, I thought the scrimmage was a good scrimmage. I mean, they started off with uh, uh, everything was, you know, they weren't going to the ground. Um, it was, a, you know, just kind of a butt up, um, wrap up, and then let the guy go. And I thought they were going to continue to do that the whole scrimmage. About halfway through the scrimmage, they started going um, live to the ground. And when they started placing the ball at the 25-yard line going in, that's when they started letting everything go to the ground. And, uh, you know, everybody had – from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, everybody's looking at that initially because we know how important that position is. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very difficult to make judgment calls on how guys played because the offensive line just didn't have a good night. I mean, um, early on, there were some plays to be made. I think Bo Nix had a really nice uh, um, pass that he made to, to, to Johnson on a third down slant that uh, Johnson took probably 40, 50 yards, flipped the field, and uh, it was just a good – under pressure throw, but, but Bo was under pressure the entire time. He did revert back to, you know, some of the things that we would see um, last year and early in his career where he would just, you know, hightail it out of the pocket to the right and try to make a play downfield, threw, threw one up for grabs. It was a terrible decision. Had another one later in the scrimmage that was uh, could have gone either way. I mean, it was a either, – either the receiver was off or the quarterback was off, but they just uh, just miscommunicated. I honestly, you know, I, I didn't think that uh, that TJ Finley did anything special. You know, again, it's hard to it's hard to give him a fair grade because so much of it was, you know, impromptu trying to make a play with your feet. Plus, he's he's got an orange jersey, so he's blown dead. He just isn't as as escapable as Bo Nix or D Davis is. Now, Davis was phenomenal. And I've heard a lot of people in the aftermath, you know, say things like, well, he was phenomenal because he was going against the third team guys. Yeah, that's not all. That's not all true. I mean, th there's a lot of depth on defense. I mean, we like to talk about, you know, these guys in the back secondary, these guys at linebacker, these guys up front where they rotate so many guys in and out. A lot of those guys were in not all of them, but a lot of them. And, uh, you know, regardless of who was in the game, some of the passes that he threw were were tremendous and some of the uh, things that he does when when pressure comes particularly his ability to escape through the heart of the defense and step up into the pocket keeping his eyes down till he's just calm and um you know I, I didn't think that his height or his size were uh disadvantages for him 
Um, you know, he didn't look like he was uh, out of his league or element. Um, I just think he's a kid that uh, you want to consistently get reps for and, uh, uh, and let him develop. You know, sure, I think he, he's going to redshirt this year. But I also think that he's a guy that you want ready to go at any moment because he can help. He can help teams win. He's a he's a quality player. Does he remind you of just literally? I mean, does he? You played with him. I mean, is he is he Damian Craig? Ask like Damian. Damian wasn't tall. I mean, maybe he's he tall runs way he, better than Damian. But Damian wasn't like tall. I mean, he just he made he was an athlete. And he made a bunch of plays. But you know, Damian yeah. wasn't six three. Damian was like, I mean, I don't even know if he was six one. He's probably right at six feet or something. Yeah, I think he. I think he's a better athlete than Damian was. Um, I think. I think Damian was probably a more polished passer later in his career. Yeah. But but this guy just sees the field so well, and he's so uh, he's so athletic, and uh, you know just makes good decisions with the football. And, and and so much that we talk about from the quarterback position is, hey, you don't have to go out there and be Superman. You just have to go out there and not lose the game, not go out there and and put your team in bad spots. And Bo did that a couple of times. Um, I'm not so certain that uh, that TJ Finley might not have done that a couple of times with, uh, you know, just his inability to escape or or, or just keep the sticks moving. But uh, you know, it's still going to be Bo's job. I think he did enough good things, and I think that uh, you know, just just his experience and and some of the attributes that he brings are going to be his. And I do think the offensive line will improve. I, I, I saw where you know people were saying. They need continuity, and they do. They they need to find some guys. Sure, yeah, yeah. They need to find some guys that they plug in. Find your best five, and, and make a decision, and let those guys start start building some cohesion, or else you're going to have some of this where guys are leaking through. Defensively, Justin, I thought they were phenomenal. I mean, almost everywhere. I'm, most, I, you know, the, the secondary is really impressive because of how many interchangeable parts they have. I didn't even recognize guys like Darius Knighton. I'm not even sure I saw him out there. Um, he may not have even scrimmaged. I, I, I don't know, but uh, but but that's just to say that he's a guy that we have heard, hey, he can fit anywhere, and then not even recognizing him in the scrimmage. There were guys. I mean, Zion Puckett was was a was a guy that stood out. Um, the the kid from Vanderbilt's going to be just a tremendous player. All the corners looked really good. Um, Simpson looked good. Pritchett looked good. And we know what Roger McCreary can do, but the, the edge guys were really impressive too. Um, just, it really doesn't, didn't matter who was in. I mean, those guys just, uh, um, they looked apart. And I think the defense uh, is a good fit for most of them. And, and they felt they looked comfortable with, uh, with what it was they were being asked to do. Yeah. All right. So there you, there you got it. You got the, the rundown from Rob. What he's saying is that, that TJ Finley will probably start. Um, and you know Demetrius Davis will will probably be his backup, and and Bo Nix will probably transfer because I think his time is just done. Um, he's had his time. No, I mean that that was the big thing. I think the quarterback. Look, we heard about some interceptions. We heard about some inconsistency at quarterback. Brian Harson said the same thing. He said uh, yeah, he said they played fine, but he said he he said decision making. That was the word he used afterwards. He goes, we have to continue to improve our decision making at quarterback. Um, and gosh, that's, that's not a new story with Bo Nix, unfortunately. Um, and well, so, it's just like on the, it's just like Justin on the, uh, the first yeah. interception he threw when he goes back and looks at the film, he had a guy that, that was about 10, 15 yards down on a, on a comeback, a curl. I, I believe it was, uh, um, the, the new re- receiver that transferred from Georgia. Yeah. Robertson. He, he was open. 
and he had a chance. It was a sliver of a chance. Now remember, he's got a, he's got a heavy rush breathing yeah. down his neck. Um, but instinctively, he he rolls to his right just as he gets ready to uh, step out of bounds. He he just heaves one down the field, and uh, and that thing gets intercepted. So you know, those are just he can't do that. And and, and I and I think when he goes back, he'll see on film that hey, if I had just sat in that pocket. If I just thrown the ball before I took off, then that was there. That those are the type of things that uh, that Auburn has to have Bo improve on. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Um, defense, yeah, I'm with you on the defense. I mean, I think there's a lot to like. I think the defensive tackle position is that's the one I've been harping on. Um, that's the position that if they find the right players, it's kind of the the um, the missing piece. I think with that defense is just finding starters and then, and then, and then finding a little bit of depth because without, without starters, obviously then without depth as well, that defensive tackle position, it, it, you know, it's going to be a problem. So I think if they can figure that out, the whole defense has got a chance to be, um, to be really good. So, all right. So before we leave the quarterbacks, um, you know, we heard from Mike Bobo and, and, and talking about this offense and they're still figuring it out. They're still trying to figure out the identity, which is crazy. Like people need to keep that in mind when they're making these judgments on, Knicks or Finley or whatever. I mean, just a week and a half ago, week ago, we're talking to Mike Bobo and he's saying, we don't, we're still trying to figure out what, like literally what we're going to do because we don't know who's good at what. I mean, think about that. That's, I mean, this offense has got a long way to go to, to be whatever iteration it's going to be that's going to win big football games. Like it's not mm -hmm. close to that. And you won't even know until the games. You won't, you're going to have to play games. You're going to have to go to Penn State and, figure stuff out on the fly. So, you know, I think people need to keep that in mind and not just go, all right, game one, I expect to see Bo throw in 70% completion. And if not, then I guess he's not going to get better. Like, I think everybody needs to take, even if, even if you told me that Bo had a good scrimmage, I think, I think people need to take a step back a little bit on offense and production and just kind of what it's going to look like and, and, and all that through those first few games. I, I just think it's going to take some time to figure out, okay, quarterback receivers who we got who's who's running what routes and just sort of see it all come together it's just not going to happen in Akron it's going to happen it's not even going to happen in Penn State I mean it's probably going to take four four games at least you know well I mean what you're talking about yeah is, is building the continuity so that you can go from continuity to um, having some level of consistency and, and that's mm -hmm. the buzzword that, that everybody is uh, is hoping for and it is going to take some time, um, and that is why they're going to have to, to find um, who their five are up front. Because until yeah. you find those five, you're not going to develop the continuity that we need, and you're not also going to develop your identity. I mean, I think they know they're going to be a team that runs the ball and they play action pass. I mean, that, that's where they're, they're going to, to, to have their bread and butter. But until you get your five across the board and, and know who's going to line up where and, and who you're going to surround them with, what, what the pieces – that support that look like, um, you really can't begin to implement what uh, that identity is going to look like. And so, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're under the gun now as far as, uh, you know, just a couple more times that uh, they'll be able to scrimmage before they have to do it live and in color. So um, I think that they're going to be fine, Justin. I mean, the, the other thing that people don't really understand about scrimmages sometimes is that, you know, the controlled aspect of it, a lot of times guys will know, all right, in this period, they're really going to work on play action. 
or in this period, they're really going to work on drop back passing. They, they didn't really mix runs and passes in well in this scrimmage. I mean, there were, it, it was much more of a, of a air it out scrimmage than it was. Let's try to establish the run scrimmage. Well, that's not going to be positive for this offensive line because that's not right. what they do best. Yeah. And also as a defense, you know, I can sit back on my heels or, or I can really bring my best in the, in the blitz, you know, rush game. And, and not really worry about my, my, rush, my, my run responsibilities, my run fits. And so, you know, sometimes that can be a disadvantage. For instance, uh, just by example, when T.J. Finley, the, the very first play when they went live, they went play action and he hit a, uh, a post corner or, or, a, or a, a fake corner and then back to a post. He hit Canyon for a 25-yard touchdown. He was wide open. Well, when the second group comes in to – Bo Nix and the next offense comes in, they, they call the exact same play. Hmm. Well, do you think that was open in the next play? No, it, it resulted right. in Nick scrambling and throwing the ball away because the defense had just seen it. Yeah. So that's how scrimmages play out sometimes. And, and, and a lot of times it's not fair to, uh, to everybody involved. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's the kind of insight that, that you don't really, that you don't really realize about something like that, where they could turn around and, and call that exact same play. Um, all right. Well, that's good perspective. I mean, I think that I think that get you know allows people to take a step back, um, evaluate sort of what they heard based on you know how scrimmages go. But you know, look, let's take Harson. What Harson said, and, and it's about decision making. And again, we won't know that until we get into some games. But that is that is fundamentals and decision making with Bo. It's kind of like those first two years. It was just sort of a sling it around and wing it. And yeah. uh, he cannot continue to do that. And I know Bobo and Harson and them are, I mean, I know they're on him about it. I know they are. They both have talked about it openly about fundamentals and decision-making. Oh, no doubt. So, I, well, and, and, and the other thing that you don't get in the scrimmage and, and something that doesn't help Bo Nix and doesn't help this offense is the scheming aspect, you know, of, of trying to devise what it is. Am I, what are we going to do best to beat this defense? And, yeah. you know, I, I think you get out there in a scrimmage and you just try to run your base plays. Mm-hmm. And, and, and similarly, the defense is doing the same thing. They're not doing anything exotic. They lined up four man front. They never brought seven. I mean, they didn't zone blitz. They, they weren't doing crazy stuff. Um, so, you know, base on base, defense, no doubt, is ahead of the offense right now. But in a game, that's not what you're going to get. In a game, you're going to, you're going to devise a scheme that you think is going to put your offense in the best position to be successful against what that defense is doing. And that's not how scrimmages unfold a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the defense, in particular the secondary and the athletes um, that, are, that are back there. We've talked to um, a couple of secondary players this week. One in particular was Roger McCreary, the senior cornerback who you know, had an opportunity to go to the NFL last year. Probably wouldn't have been a super high pick. Good decision to come back and, and probably should be, a, I would think, a top – I don't know. He's got to probably be a top four-round guy. I mean, if Noah went first round – he had the speed, you know, Ibn Benogany, but um, McCreary is probably, a, I would think, a top four-round guy. Um, but one of the things he talked about was how the secondary was going to be very, very different from the way it was under coach Kevin Steele. And if, if people remember, under Kevin Steele, man, it was aggressive. It was man-to-man. It, you were on an island a lot. Um, and there was, there was it was aggressive, but, but guys got beat a lot. I mean, good corners yeah. got beat um, on fade routes and different stuff like that. Um, McCreary described a very different defensive outlook for the secondary under Mason. He, he used the terms off man. He used the terms top down defense. Um, he used the word zone. 
Um, they're still going to do some man stuff, but he kind of described it almost like a hybrid of if, if, you know, he, he, one, the one way he described it was if players run straight at, at, at you, then you might pick them up man. But if they don't, then you just kind of pass them off. And so a lot of communication probably that has to happen in there. Um, he talked about football IQ. He talked about how this coaching staff in particular, Zach Etheridge is helping his football IQ which is good here, kind of an indictment on the last staff when your player's like, you know, now I'm really learning the game. Um, not what you want to hear exactly, but better late than never. Um, but some interesting comments on kind of how they're going to play in the secondary. Really, I think what that means is a focus on not giving up big plays or doing your best to not give up big plays. The way college football is now in offenses, man, you're going to give them up. So, I mean, I don't, Maybe just try to play that bend don't break a little bit a little bit better. But what are, what's your take on 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 some of that off man top down compared to what Kevin Steele did? Auburn's got some athletes in the secondary that I think can adapt either way. What's kind of your take on that and how that might work with with the rest of the defense? Well, I mean, I, I think that he just wants to be multiple, you know, as opposed to going out there and just hey, you, what you see is what you get. We're going to line up across the board and man up all guys on islands everywhere yeah I think he wants to uh he wants to be able to implement a lot of different looks I mean that's that's the defense's best advantage is is you not knowing what we're going to do for us to disguise our intentions for us to be able to move to different looks for us to be able to play different defenses from different looks now you also have to remember where's Derek Mason coached all right. Well, Derek Mason has coached at Vandy. He's coached right. at Stanford. Right. All right. So Derek Mason has coached some very wise football players. Right. Some guys that are smart and some guys that can, uh, can can put it all together and have high IQs regardless of if they're on yeah. the football field or not. Now, where has uh, uh, Kevin Steele coached? Uh, he coached at Alabama. He's coached at all. He, he's coached everywhere. He's coached all over the Southeast. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, m- maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed from a, uh, uh, from an intelligent standpoint. So what do you try to do? You try to, sim- you try to simplify things. You say, go out there the- and be the athlete we recruited you to be. Yeah. And so there's two, two ways of going about that. And, uh, and, and I get it, but you know, I come from, having played for a guy like Bill Oliver, I, I appreciate the intelligent side of football. And I think that that's what he's trying to get these guys to do. Um, they'll be better football players for it. I think they will give um, the other offenses um, more to prepare for more looks to have to prepare for, but also think that it helps each end of the defense. I mean, if, if you're, if you're a secondary player under Kevin Steele and you don't have a pass rush, your life is infinitely harder because you're out there on an island and the quarterback has all day. Mm-hmm. Now you're Roger McCreary. You get to play off some. You may get to play. You may get to play bump and run coverage some and really jam a guy to the line of scrimmage. But you know the Derek Halls and the uh, TD Moultries and the uh, uh, Romello Heights and the guys that are going to be applying pressure to the defense. That quarterback has to keep the ball in his hand a, a little bit longer. If he knows it's not pressed, I've got to read a defense now if it's zone. I mean, I have to see where that safety's moving to. I have to see what what leverage does that corner have. But if it's straight up man to man, my read is made up before the ball's even snapped. And so I think you 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 keep the hand the ball in the hand of the quarterback a little bit longer. Um, you 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 give your pass rush the opportunity to get there, and every secondary is made infinitely better 
when they have a pass rush. And so I just think those things will all work in tandem and, and, and be improved because of that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting. I mean, because you would watch Auburn's defense and, and, and they would have, they'd have their moments obviously of, of having a good defense over the last few years, but then they'd play a Georgia or an Alabama or whatever. And, and they would just get, I mean, you look at some of the guys that were in that secondary, um, you know, a couple of years ago and you had a first round or knowing Benogany and some different guys, but yet, you can get torched. The way offenses are now and the way they spread you out, good luck covering people in in, in that man kind of coverage. It's it's dang near impossible. Um, yeah. What's crazy is last year Auburn gave up uh, 240 yards passing a game. Um, that's a pretty good amount. But yet they finished – I think it was one of their best finishes in the league in like a decade. 242 right. yards. You go back – um, only once they finished under 200 yards, and that was the 17 team that, that you know, that team almost made the playoff. Um, and you had Jamel Dean and, uh, and Carlton Davis, and, and so you had NFL corners. And, um, but only once in 12 years have they given up less than 200 yards passing. Most of the time it's 230-plus. Um, and most of the time, as far as the league goes, they're, I went and looked it up, they're in the bottom half. Only a couple yeah. times they finished in the top half of the league in pass defense. More times than not, they're in the bottom. They even had some 10s and 11s in terms of where they were finishing. So Auburn's past events for a long time has has not been awesome. Um, and the way offenses are changing now too, yeah, you, you've got to adapt. You've got to be able to play zone and play off and at times. And, and you just – even more so maybe with an offense. I mean, I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you could say, hey, offense is trying to figure it out. We need to be aggressive and we need to force turnovers. yeah. But then if you give up big plays and you give up points, you're done. You're done. The game's over. Like Georgia last year, you just got blitzed and it's over with. So I guess it goes both ways. But I like hearing that, that there's going to be a little bit of a mix and match and opportunity for these guys to, you know, like yeah. you say, let those edge guys get to the quarterback. Give them, give them a second. Yeah, and I think the defensive guys will enjoy it. I think the secondary guys, especially the corners, are going to like, you know, it, it, Look, playing zone is not easy. And you right. talk about the, the communication aspect. The, the reason we didn't play zone might be harder. is because we weren't good at it. Yeah. And 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 the communication aspect is huge, which which I get a kick out of because I I, I watch your all's uh, you know, your first little segment um, of practice time that y'all get, and they constantly got that music blare. And it's hilarious to hear it because it's like war pigs or something, you know. I mean it's it's yeah, like it's, a, it's different, man. It's it not like, Smoke Monday's playlist. No, it's not. It's not. But but they are, but they're doing that because they want those guys everything that they have to do to to have to shout it, to have to, to communicate when it's loud and it's annoying and you know they it's just it's just difficult to to hear each other. So you know you you've got to be able to do that. Pass guys off in zone. Know where your help is in zone. But but also take a breather for a second. You know. I, it's going to help keep a guy like Smoke Monday or by Darius Knight on the football field too, because those guys are not guys that are going to come down and, and, and be great cover guys. They yeah. can cover half of the field in the zone. They can, they can cover a guy that's hooking or, or, or running through their zone as a double teamer, but they're not going to, they're not going to take a slot receiver and just nail them down. Now, if, if Auburn wants to do that, they've got the bodies to go full cross man to man against a four wide set. I mean, there's no doubt they've got four guys, that can cover as well as anybody in the league. I mean, I really believe that. Um, but it's not going to be those true safeties that are back there doing it. And so that gives them a chance to stay in the game with that personnel, uh, give a different look, and um, and still have their bodies in there in the run game. 
Yeah, and you think about Drayshon Miller, too. From what I understand, he was more of a zone guy. Um, and so maybe that makes sense. Maybe that's why he was so coveted. I mean, he's a good player, but he was, I think, more of a zone guy at West Virginia, so it makes that much more sense that Auburn wanted him so bad because he, he should be able to fit in more to what they're going to do um, on uh, on defense. But I just thought it was an interesting – a lot of praise for Zach Etheridge as well from uh, Roger McCreary. He said he really harps on those guys' football IQ, really understanding. And we've heard that from a number of coaches. Um, Jeff Schmetting's the same way with the linebackers. I mean, it's I, – I, yeah, I'm not saying the other staff didn't do it. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I'm hearing it more. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing that kind of – verbiage and terminology more from the players so far about well they're really harping on us on football iq and they're really making us understand you know what we did and it's just i just didn't hear it as much from the yeah. past regime i just i just didn't it's not like they weren't in there teaching them the the basics but um i don't know we I went think, we went through the same difference. we went through the same transition justin when when we went through a coaching staff change i mean you know, in some ways, I wonder if the staffs kind of try to, to get you to see a different way of doing things, you know, yeah. knowing that you're still going to implement some of the things that you've learned from the previous staff. But we went from a, you know, high IQ, a lot of teachers, Bill Oliver, Pete Jenkins, you know, those those type of guys that had done it at a high level, but they weren't yellers and cussers and, you know, they, you know, just go, 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 run, 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 you know, just play with your hair on fire. They were, hey, yeah. understand alignment you know, be smart, you know, read, react, that type of stuff. And then the next staff came in and it was all just be an athlete. You know, we're going to make it simple. You just, just go play. And and I think that you're, you're getting a little bit of crossover with this staff too. And and I would imagine a new staff comes in and they're going to pretend that you know nothing. They're going to assume <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that they don't know what you were taught. So they're just going to start at the beginning if that's what it takes. And so maybe, maybe you hear a lot of that in the beginning. If we ask them again in two years, maybe it's a little bit different and they assume you already know it. So um, interesting stuff, man. Rob, as always, uh, we appreciate it. Um, Auburn has another scrimmage coming up uh, here this week on Friday. So we'll see how that goes. And then after that, they're two weeks out. I mean, at that point, they're already starting to prep for, for Akron a little bit. Two weeks out, I mean, it's in. Um, they're, they're going. So I think this, this scrimmage Friday um, is going to be a big one. Are they letting former players into that one? think they are um you know this last one they they let players but they also let uh, uh players parents come in so they had a lot of family in there too yeah but i i haven't heard if they're going to let players i doubt it when you get that close I, th I think and honestly probably because of covid they, they're not gonna let people come in and true worry about that well that's what's interesting you make a good point because they've got this fan kind of fan day scheduled for the 28th where they're going to let fans come to an open scrimmage um, or an open practice, um, and I'm not sure that close to the season, depending on what people are thinking about COVID, I'm not sure that's the best idea at this point. But. Uh, and, and unless they're going to do that in the field, on, in the stadium, and, and keep the, the stands, you know, full of – I think of, that's of, what it is, yeah. Well, then that may be okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah to try to get those guys mingled out on the field, I don't think we're going to see that. I think it'd be – I think, yeah, I think it'd be in the stadium. But, but but kind of a cool – never heard of – never heard of allowing fans to kind of see an open scrimmage a week before the first game. I've never heard of that. Um, well – I, I, like I said last time, from a PR standpoint, um, Brian Harson's light years ahead of where Gus Malzahn ever was. Can you imagine Gus Malzahn letting fans watch a scrimmage a week before the game? I can't because it no. would literally never happen ever, ever, ever. <laughs> no, I can't either. No. Nope, I can't. 
but but then again, it was easier for me to go watch a practice at Alabama than it was at Auburn. So, oh, you know, so sad. You know, and and to, to be fair, Gus was a lot better at the end of his tenure. I mean, probably 2016, 17, 18, somewhere in that realm. I can't remember. Um, he started this program where he let former players come back and, you know, go in the locker room before games and find the guy that wore your number. And you had like five minutes kind of yeah. tell him anything you wanted. And that was cool. That's I mean, cool. that was, yeah. so I, I had a lot of time with Chandler Wooten and, um, you know, got to know him through this. And so, um, you know, that's neat. Um, so I, I do commend him for those sorts of things, but yeah, the paranoia and the, you know, Hey, you may, I think SEC coaches kind of knew what play was coming. I think that's been verified by uh, by some video footage of <laughs> plays being plays being identified just by alignment. Explains a lot. That explains a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even watch film, and I, I would say one out of five plays I probably could pick. Um, I, I bet your daughter. I, I bet I bet your daughter Henley could do it too, couldn't she? Probably. Probably, especially first down. She's probably like, run. You nailed it. Hey, but, but not not just run, run, run in the zero hole, right over center. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you nailed it. That's what that's what's going on, man. Thanks so much uh, for right. being on, Rob. And we will uh, we'll be back at it next week. Look forward to. I think everybody's waiting. What's Rob's next column? I know you're thinking about it. It's going to be a heavy hitter. It's going to be. I think maybe we'll maybe we'll get you one like right before the season starts. We'll we'll kind of prepare, and Rob will get everybody jacked up for for Akron. Um, big one. Although I don't, you know, new staff, everything's big. I guess every game's big. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, hey, the, the opportunity to get back in the stadium and for everybody to get there, uh, yeah, that will be big. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. Appreciate you joining us. Um, that does it for the show. Again, shout out to our partners, Southeastern Downtown Auburn and Irritable Bow, great restaurant in Downtown Auburn. Uh, and we will see everybody next time. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.